Welcome to 19 Hits of the Dragon, the show of Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop gaming, and nerd culture. I'm Rob Mackey, joined as always by Mike Daniel. Mike, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. Ready to talk about some more cyberpunk. Heck yeah. Last episode, we uh, started taking a look at uh, the rules for Cyberpunk Red and creating your very own... uh, uh, style over substance rocker boy um, awesomeness person and <laughs> yeah. and uh, today we're going to kind of keep that going and uh, finish out taking a look at the character gen rules um, so that we can all uh, play a cyberpunk game that works oh sure. he did it oh shots <laughs> fired <laughs> I, I assume you're taking a stab at um, shadow run there Oh, 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 that hurts. That hurts me real bad. <laughs> you know, uh, no, I, I, you know, I don't like too many things just yeah. in general. And like Shadowrun for Sega Genesis is just, you know, it's no. not up there. It's fine. I, I, you know? I know. I I was just riffing on because I, I know you're dissing on Cyberpunk 2077 because it is a broadcast game. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I haven't actually played it myself. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was just saying, I mean, I, I haven't actually played it myself. I've just seen the clips. So For sure. I'm just, you know, I try not to be the guy that like, cause I used to be the guy who hated on stuff that he had not, that I hadn't experienced. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. like now that, you know, I'm sort of a grown up, like, uh, I try not to do that, and but I couldn't resist. It was right there. I had to do it. No, it's, it was funny. Yeah, no, I regret it, nothing. Low hanging fruit for sure. Uh, and as someone who has played the game, started off super broken. They've patched a lot of stuff. Still a little janked, but overall, it's much better now than day one. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I that's... stand on it. And also, it's like. It, I don't know. It, it, at this point, it is probably about on par with like a Bethesda game, right? <laughs> so you know, sure. I can't fault them too much for it. <laughs> okay. And That's, also, uh... you know, they continue to work on it, whereas Bethesda's just like, no, we're not fixing any of the bugs. But here's Skyrim on ten different platforms that you never asked for, and now That's we get true. Skyrim the TV show. So. <laughs> I mean, that said, like. Demand for Skyrim is just insatiable. Yeah, it's... it's been ten years of Skyrim, and people are still people are still like playing Skyrim. You yeah. understand? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just never stopped. Like, I would have thought there would be, like, I in the past ten years, like I've gotten older to the point that like the years kind of all blur together. But mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. so. Even in that context, I would have expected there to be a new Elder Scrolls by now. Although I guess there's uh, don't Elder we all Scrolls want there to be online? a new Elder Scrolls game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose I can't uh, fault Bethesda for capitalizing on the demand for more Skyrim, um, and then Indeed. continuing to shove it down people's throat even when they're not asking for it. So. <laughs> would you would you say that Bethesda took an arrow to the knee in this regard? <laughs> uh, potentially, 
You know, interestingly, and this is way off topic for what we're talking about, but interestingly, um, I read that taking an arrow to the knee was like a way of saying uh, the person got married. So I used to be an adventurer until I took an arrow to the knee. So, you know, uh. got married, can't go off on adventuring life anymore. So got a that wife and sense. kids to, wife, well, you know, spouse and potentially children to take care of. So, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of uh, corporations capitalizing on things and a capitalist uh, dystopia, uh, Cyberpunk is a really great game. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Bring us back around there. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cyberpunk Red, a lot of fun. We talked last week mostly about character creation and how to... Uh, create your character. So today we're taking a little bit of a look at like, so you have this character, now how do you play the game with them? Uh, so to kind of dive into things, you know, we left off with Rob making a, a very astute uh, observation saying that, you know, the game has a lot of rules, but they all sort of fit around the same mechanic, more or less. Um, and that is... You know, if you're trying to do something, you're going to roll a d10, you're going to add your stat, and you're going to add your skill points uh, or skill rank, as it's called in the game, um, to that roll. And that will kind of determine, you know, how well you did with that. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of the core mechanic at, uh, at work here throughout the whole game is, you know, regardless of what you're trying to do, you know, when it, in terms of playing at the table, you're rolling a D10 and you're adding your modifiers to that based on what you're trying to do and how good you are at what you're trying to do. Um, Rob, would you say that's a, an a, a accurate summation of how the game works in general? Like, Yeah, it Rob's seems to be. It's uh, all pretty, um, yeah, like you said that I said, which I forgot that I said, but that's cool. <laughs> But yeah, it's just like there's a lot of um it's all one mechanic, but within that one mechanic there are lots of like granular like um like there are l lots of different uh instances of rules, mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. For like, sure. They they cover all of the corner cases. Yeah, there's a it's uh, split up into a lot of different uh, skills in a pretty granular fashion. Mm -hmm. Like there isn't just driving. There's like land vehicles and air vehicles and sea vehicles. And um, there's one that was specific to horses as well. And I forget what it was. Mm -hmm. I think it was like handle. Was it handle animal? Um, shit. Let me pull up the character sheet and we'll find out what it is. Uh, but yeah, so the point being that there are a ton of different skills and things that you can uh, put ranks into or put points into, essentially. Um, but it all mm, sort it's of just follows called writing, the same. Sorry. Oh, writing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm pulling yeah. up the character sheet as well. Um, but yeah, so it all sort of fits into the the similar like base mechanic, right? So regardless of what you're doing or what you're trying to do in game at the table. That's, that's what's going on there. Um, to, so the, uh, the chapter in the book about like how to play the game is called getting it done. 
Uh, so if you're in there, it's, you know, it starts off with a little bit of talk about like movement as well. And just as kind of a refresher uh, when it comes to your movement, like speed or how far you can move on your turn. Um, it's essentially, you know, your movement score times two and that many meters or yards, right? Um, and if you're on a grid, each square represents two meters or yards. So you can move a number of squares equal to your movement or your move stat. Um, pretty, pretty simple mechanic that kind of uh, fits into like, or kind of wraps up, you know, movement speed there very nicely. You know, it's, it's either that many meters or yards times two or just that many squares, right? You're not having to worry about, oh, well, you know, what is my race or class or what abilities give me extra movement or where does that put me on speed terms? It's just, you look at the stat, that's how far you can move. Um, For sure. Yeah. And then talks a little bit about initiative and initiative again as a D10 role. Uh, this time you're adding your reflex and that determines that score determines like how or, you know, where you end up in the initiative order as far as turns and stuff go. Um, then on your turn or even like outside of combat as well, there are uh, sort of a set list of actions that are available to you. And it kind of sums up everything that's like possible to do. So I'm just going to quickly you know, read through each of them and uh, we can talk a little bit about some of them um, as we go as well. So just to kind of give an overview of the actions that you have, it's you have a move action, attack, get into a vehicle, get up, grab, uh, hold action, run, stabilize, starting a vehicle, uh, throw, use net actions, which is what the net runner can do, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, use an object or use a skill. So make any other sort of skill check that doesn't fit into one of those actions there. Um, yeah. So yeah, a so lot it's... of those are pretty like straightforward. Sorry, what were you saying, Rob? I was just going to say, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Again, it's not as like granular. Not everything is um like I kind of feel that like use an object and use a skill are just kind of catch-alls for do a thing. Yeah, for um, sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that uh, as far as like getting up is an action that you take. It doesn't take up your movement. It's your action to get up. Um, yeah, which considering that like you're talking about like movement and initiative and stuff, you know, a, a turn in cyberpunk red combat is three seconds, which is half the amount yeah. of time that takes place in a standard like D&D turn. Right. It's that six seconds. So I can see why, you know, getting up is maybe an action versus part of your movement. So it just an interesting and observation there. As is, and I don't think this is covered here. I think this does come up later once you get to the combat rules. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was interesting to note as well that uh, changing out your weapon is also an action, oh, yep. basically. Mm -hmm. And reloading so, is an action as well. So, mm, um, yeah, yeah. Gotta hate reloading. <laughs> For That's sure. why the railgun in Hades sucks because you have to reload. Uh, yeah, no, it's a good point. That was off topic. Moving <laughs> it's, on. It's okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so basically like those, those are kind of the, uh, the general actions that you can take then from there, you know, like the skills as well, it sort of gets parsed up into things that are more specific. Um, especially when it comes to 
talking about like combat um i guess before we get into combat too much i do kind of want to touch on like the like how do you succeed or fail at these things that you're trying to do um so basically there are two ways to succeed or fail at you know anything that you're trying to do one is your role is trying to beat what's called a difficulty value or a dv as it's often referred to in the book um which you know if you're familiar with like D and D that's like the DC, right? Like the dice check, like what are your, what is the number that you're trying to beat in order to succeed on that thing? Um, and then, uh, there, the other option is like a contested skill role, right? So I am rolling a, uh, persuasion check against this guy who, you know, this person who is maybe, uh, rolling like a an interrogation check or a human perception check probably is what it would really be. Um, but so it's it's like opposing skill checks like you as the player versus an NPC, generally speaking, or sometimes like, um, uh, you know, if there's a machine or something that has actions and stuff that it can take, then you're rolling against um, its its roles as well. So those are the kind of the two ways that skills you know, either succeed or, or fail there, um, which is yep. interesting, I think. So, you know, for sure. And it seems like it's much more orient as a system. It's much more oriented around contests. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, for sure. Then most things are contests. Um, there yep. aren't as many, there aren't half as many, um, checks that are, um, kind of fate based around the fixed DV. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And, and the, um, and I, I kind of listed them backwards in terms of how it's actually listed in the book. And that kind of goes to Rob's point is that, you know, the, uh, the contested check, it comes up first is mentioned first and gets used a lot more than the DV, um, when it comes to doing most, uh, most skills and most actions. So, uh, yeah. And there's a nice little chart here that kind of gives you a breakdown of what a DV looks like, you know, as far as like uh, simple action all the way up to legendary actions. Um, and because you're rolling a D10 instead of a D20, you know, this is going to be kind of on a, on a lower scale than you'll see with like D&D uh, for starters anyway. But then, you know, legendary going up to like a 29 is like nearly impossible to get with a D10 plus um, your rolls, right? Um, unless you get a, yeah. a critical and, you know, we'll talk about how critical successes and failures work. Um, actually, that's that's the next thing in the book. So let's talk about that yeah. now. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, though, once, too, yeah. this is this is a heckin' spread on this yeah. chart here. Yeah, Because, sure. uh, yeah, you got, yeah, there are seven classes. I'm not going to go through blow by blow or nothing. But, uh, yeah, seven classes, and they do ramp up from, like, yeah, they ramp up quite a bit. Uh, yeah. in terms of the gaps between them so it's a it's yeah. a pretty steep curve for sure from nine to 29 yep. and you know seven forms forms of difficulty there so yeah yeah but it's good though um, i like that yeah. yeah i like that it's still like what am i trying to say it never even the legendary stuff's only a 29 which mm-hmm. i mean is a lot but mm-hmm. it's not like a ton a ton if right. i can preach this is kind of a broader point, but if I could preach one thing, if you're like designing your game, mm-hmm. deflate your stats, just do it. Oh, for sure. If it's, if it's a tabletop game, like just keep them like, yeah, keep it reasonable. Nothing you can't do with a pen and paper. 
Anyway, yeah. that is all. Absolutely. Uh, looking at you, 3.5 and Pathfinder. Um, <laughs> uh, and 4th edition. Oh, and 4th edition but, as well, I guess. Oh, my I, God. Again, I haven't really played 4th enough to know, so. That's okay. Yeah. Someday I'll strap you down clockwork orange style and force you to like. <laughs> there was. So back when like actual play podcasts were first a thing, there's a podcast shout outs to D and D UI uh, where they started with fourth edition. So I got a little bit of a sense for it, but uh, they switched over to five E probably about halfway through their first campaign, which was kind of an interesting transition uh, to listen to anyway we'll shout them out uh in the the links to uh or the comments or write up about the episode um but yeah all right uh but yeah so kind of talking getting back on topic here uh critical successes and failures is up next basically the way that it works uh here is when you know for a critical success rolling a 10 on the die you roll an additional d10 and add that um, to your your total check. Um, and a critical failure sort of works in the opposite way. So you roll one on your d10. That's a crit fail. You roll another d10 and you subtract that from your total. Um, so yeah, that's... Man, that critical failure can be pretty brutal. Just thinking about like if you roll the one and then you roll like pretty high on the crit fail... Uh, dice, so you're just subtracting like eight, nine, or ten, you know, potentially from your check. It's brutal, man. Yeah. Like it seems pretty hard to uh, still succeed at your thing, even if you like have a good bounce back roll. Exactly. It could be killer. To say nothing of what happens if you roll crap twice, <laughs> depending on the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there are ways to like modify the uh, the role, and that's this is more for like the GM. But you know, if your players have uh, certain like conditions on them, like it's low light, or they are intoxicated, or uh, even exhausted, like or trying to do something in secret, you can add a negative. Well, you can yeah include a negative modifier to them uh, to their roles. Uh, so they have, you know, ad- additional difficulties trying to succeed on the thing. Um, For sure. Although yeah. modifiers always give me the, like, whatchamacallits. They kind of give me the spookies. Because mm-hmm. I always think, mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, how do I keep, tra- what's the, like, right modifier? Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, uh, just kind of looking at this table, it looks like the these are all just kind of suggestions. Mm-hmm. And what yep. you're really looking at here is... Minus one, minus two, minus four. Exactly. And like, depending on like the exact situation, maybe one or of those modifiers apply. I guess. I was um. Yeah. I was thinking, circling back to the discussion of critical failures and such. Yeah. Um. Is there like? I didn't quite get to seeing this, maybe, but is there some sort of um mechanic for like um degrees of failure or like things going catastrophically wrong outside of a crit failure if you like um, say fall short by a certain amount or no there's DV or there's nothing quite like that where you know you you fail so bad that something terrible happens um not that i not that i know of i would have to 
nothing's coming to mind anyway. Um, okay. We'll we'll keep skimming through here as we're covering the the topics, but um, yeah, I don't think there's anything as far as like you know on your roll you failed so bad that these awful things happen like a fumble chart you know stuff like that. I, there's no real mechanics for that. There are. Uh, critical injuries that you can get, which we'll talk about a little bit more here as we go, um, where, you know, if you get hurt severely, it can cause like an additional injury on top of just taking damage to your hit points. Um, sure. Which, yeah, I I really like that as a mechanic just because, you know, I, I know a lot of people, especially when it comes to D&D, like they want hit points to mean more they want to like try and do additional stuff with their their hit like oh i'm gonna you know break his knees or you know hit his arm or something like that and that's kind of a way that's baked in which getting a little bit ahead here we'll kind of dive into combat after this other thing that i i touch on um which is basically that uh the the luck mechanic is what i wanted to highlight real quick i know we talked about it last week when we were talking about like how what all the stats do um but just as a refresher you know luck points uh or your luck stat you can add uh points to rolls to give yourself better chances of success essentially so if you're you know your luck score is a five let's say you have five luck points per session to add two skill checks um and you gain those back at the beginning of each session so it's kind of like an autofill you just get these additional points to you know give yourself some more luck like increase your odds of success for sure and then each point uh spending a point gives you a plus one right exactly one yeah. point is one plus one yep no it's just a plus one Jesus. <laughs> one plus one is two. <laughs> one plus one plus two plus one. Yeah. <laughs> Spending a point grants you a single plus one. Right. And it would appear that you can spend multiple points to get the effect to stack. Correct. Yeah. So if like, you're, you know, if you're really trying to do something and you have like, you know, a lot of luck points left and it's close to the end of the game, we're like, I just want to spend all five luck points to give myself a plus five on this uh, this roll, then yeah, you can absolutely do that. Yeah, this this mechanic, and this is just speaking to my personal like complexes, mm. but this seems like it's just the bonus is such that it's just like, man, I'm just gonna hoard these, aren't I? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, I'm just gonna like go through because like part of the gestalt i guess of like cyberpunk as a genre mm -hmm. is like cool wacky shit happening and so i think the luck mechanic like reflects this instead of like um yeah instead of like um you like shoot a guy it's like oh no you do like a forward somersault and then blast them in the face and then also don't hit your head on the table you're ducking under for no reason mm -hmm. stuff like that and i think the luck mechanic helps facilitate that sort of stuff or is meant to at least mm -hmm. so like you're supposed to like and the fact that it refreshes every session too kind of tips your hand off too it's like no, like you're supposed to use this. Yeah. You're supposed to use this like a lot. Um but then to, in my head I'm kind of like, "Oh, it's only a plus 1. I don't know." And maybe I'll 
put two in for a plus two and then in my brain i'll be like no half measures <laughs> use all of them or use none of them so yeah for sure i don't know yeah yeah i mean it's kind of the equivalent of like hoarding your consumable items in case of an emergency and then you get into the emergency and you're like no something there might be a more dire emergency i need to save these for sure <laughs> yeah Wow. especially yeah um it's kind of yeah it's very much tied to my like video game hoarder complex oh, for sure but it's like yeah it's like i can't get rid of this beginning level weapon because what if i need it mm-hmm. yeah it's sort of the same thing where it's just like i'd like i could use a few luck points i could use like two or three luck points here on this one thing it's like yeah but what if you need all five later and i'll be like oh shit mm-hmm. what if i do need all five later i don't know <laughs> yeah, Fuck. for sure uh yeah I, and i mean as someone like i've i've played as a player in cyberpunk red in two sessions now and like our first game everyone forgot about their luck luck points or like they were hoarding them or whatever we didn't use them um and then we kind of got to the end of the mission and there was a lot on the line and it's like to hell with it i'm using these luck points now i need to make sure that this is a success so uh, for sure yeah I, and i, I can just I- as a reminder too, like yourself that they refresh every single session then it it makes it eases that uh hoarding complex a little bit uh to me anyway so yeah that's kind of the thing to keep in mind i think and also i think i can imagine once you get the hang of it you kind of get a bit more of a sense of like the value calculus i guess Mm -hmm. in -hmm. terms of like when is when are these worth using versus when are they not necessarily right you know it's just kind of one of those things where approaching this um, game as somebody who hasn't played it just yet, like I'm kind of like, okay, this will be something that I will want to get a feel for in the early in my earlier sessions of mm-hmm. how I want to hang on to versus not hang on to these. For sure. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm still like I said, I've played two sessions of this, so very much still learning all of that. Um, so yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, I know I said we were going to get into combat next. I actually I apologize. We're going to get into that in a little bit, but there is another thing that I wanted to touch on because after, like, in the book where we're talking about all of this, um, the thing that comes up next is a list of the skills. I don't want to take any time going through all of these because it really lists, like, all of them and gives really great examples for, like, what each skill is used for kind of what the the base level you know if you have 10 points in this skill you know here's what it means if you have 14 you got 18 etc um and it's it's really great there's a lot to read through there and i don't want to just sit and have this episode be us reading through the book <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> true there's because a lot of skills here, guys. there's a lot of skills People. and there's a lot of uh yeah a lot of detail for each one and a lot of mm-hmm. examples and references for each one. Um, so again, just buy the book and read it if you want to know what all the skills do and what they all look like. Um, and, sure. and you should buy this book. It's it's great. Uh, it's yeah. a really awesome system. And it's totally also, it. yeah, I just want to um, uh, give a shout out to the book for just being like very well written in general. Oh, yeah. Like very simple, very easy to read and follow and like understand what they're trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. Extremely clear, extremely well edited. Good job. Anyway, uh, I do also one thing I do want to highlight uh, with the skills without getting into it. It does seem that um, there's a 
I'll just call it a 10, 14, 18 system. Mm-hmm. So if your um if your stat uh plus your skill um is at a base of 10, that means you're competent. If you're at a 14, it means you're quite good at this actually. And if you're at an 18, you're at the like, you know, you're like at the preeminent level sorta. It seems like. And that seemed to yeah. be I uh, browsed the skill when browsing the skills. It seemed that that was pretty constant. It was mm-hmm. it was the same scale for all of the skills. Yep. There weren't some other ones where it's like, oh, this is on a 10, 14, 18, and then this no one's on a 12, 16, 20, just to be weird. There's none of that. Which, is, <laughs> right. which again, lots of different rules, but they all work the same way, which is nice. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So then, kind of moving on from the specific skills um it becomes the role abilities which we did talk about a little bit when we talked about the roles uh themselves and what makes them unique but the the role ability and here it's a lot more fleshed out um as to what the roles role ability is like and how it's distinct for each role what you get by ranking up into it. Um, there's again, a lot of really cool stuff here. So I, I personally would like to kind of go, you know, roll by roll, talk a little bit about each thing. I, I don't want to get too much in the weeds here because again, there's just a lot to, to read through and, and talk about. Um, so just kind of diving into them, uh, starting with the rocker boy role ability is the charismatic impact. And what that means essentially is like how much influence you have as a, a rocker boy or as, you know, this charismatic um, performer, if you will. Uh, and basically, as you rank up, you can play at better venues, you can uh, get impacts on larger groups of people. Um, and the difficulty for impacting larger groups of people becomes it, well, it becomes easier and easier, essentially. So just yeah. a, as an example, um, if your charismatic impact is at a one or a two, your venues that you can play is like only small local clubs um, to get an impact on a single fan is a difficulty value of eight, um, which basically like you can convince you know, one fan to do a small favor for you. Um, an impact on a small group is a DV of 10, which is like six people. Um, and you can kind of get them to, like you can befriend them or kind of, you know, get autographs from them, etc. cetera. Um, and then an impact on a huge group of fans, which at a rank of one or two, <laughs> again, we get to the writing here is it's a DV of 12, but what it says for a rank of one or two is you're kidding, right? You don't have a huge group of fans yet. <laughs> so like, <laughs> this was nice. Yeah. There's a lot of really yeah. great, like little flavory bits like that throughout the whole book that really just solidify the stylistic choices uh, of the system. So it's great. for sure. Um, like the, I, I found charismatic impact fascinating because it's like, uh, playing bigger venues and influencing more people to do more serious crimes exactly and yeah. or treat them and or uh treat your whole thing as more of a cult mm-hmm. i found it just fascinating that it kind of scales that way there was a there's a certain like i guess lack of verisimilitude or something <laughs> in the sort of like Man, what's a good example? 
like I mean like I like plenty of musicians but there are even the ones I like the most there are very few that I would like commit crimes for <laughs> you right, know right it's a pretty narrow list and they would also like I would like to think that we were like friends beforehand you mm-hmm. know like they mm-hmm. weren't just asking me to do this just being like hey man I know we just met but I need you to go um you know break into this facility and steal all their drugs or whatever <laughs> right right yeah man these i are, found it fascinating like you're you're a punk rocker right so you're fighting against the system as a rocker boy so people that are big huge fans of you are also going to be fighting against the system and they're willing to you know take up arms for you basically at, at you know a rank of like 10 so yeah it's true. Also, you can make somebody a fan of yours just by being a cool guy or, or girl yeah. or person. Right. Yeah, just in a non-gender neutral way, which also is not how it works. Like, like if the guy true. from Coldplay came up to me, like I'd be like, oh, uh, like I'd tell him where the bus stop is, right? But like, I probably wouldn't, like if he asked me where I could get any weed, I'd probably be like, sorry, man, even if I had some on me, like, you know what I'm saying? Do I look like a narc to you, Coldplay? Um, yeah, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> no, I like I would pro- if the I, if the guy from Coldplay asked me sorry, where God. to get weed, I would probably assume he was a cop. Yeah. <laughs> like you're a rock star, you should be able to get drugs yourself without asking some stranger on the street. Um, it's true, <laughs> or just yeah, have somebody who can. There, that's also something that is. Without getting into the granular weirds here, this is something that is also baked into charismatic impact. Mm-hmm. Is eventually you can have like a like small loyal crew of fixers who you know it, attend to your needs. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that, but that's uh, interestingly, I think the reputation mechanic uh, kind of comes into play with the situation that you're talking about, Rob. Because it's you know if it's Coldplay. And, you know, you know, like the bad things about their reputation, then you're going to be less likely to help them out. Um, That doesn't necessarily fit into the charismatic impact per se. That's just kind of like a, you know, an individual player reputation um, that gets into that. So maybe I mean, like, again, I don't know if it's so much reputation. I mean, they haven't hurt me personally. I just don't like their music that much. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. No, it's good. Uh, moving Rob on. Rob derails the podcast, part 26. <laughs> uh, no, I think we both have done that plenty. Um, but yeah, to kind of keep it okay. on track here, the next next up is the solo rollability, um, which is combat awareness. And combat awareness, basically what it breaks down to is you have uh, – these points, you know, what your rank is in your rollability that you can spend on doing stuff to um, help you be a better combatant. You can get damage deflection, you can uh, get a fumble recovery, which basically makes you like negates the critical failure aspect. Um, you can add points to your initiative, add points to your attacks. Um, Add, add points to like perception checks or uh, add points to damage when you um, like spot their weakness. Um, so yeah, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of really cool stuff, and you're basically just adding your rank 
breaking that up and adding it to things. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say, the interesting thing to note here, I think, is that um, assuming that you're a starting character and your rank is four, like, you have to, like, choose between these. Mm -hmm. Like, you do not, like, you are not going to be able to really at just about any point, even if you become the best solo that ever soloed, you're never going to be able to, like, assign meaningful points to all of these at once, basically. Right. You have to pick, which I think is fun and interesting. And kind of, yeah, um, it gives you a lot of options for how you want to play your combat character. Uh, even just saying, yeah. like, you know, you're the combat character, so you fight well. Like, no, it's like, how do you fight well? How are the specific ways that you are better at fighting than other people might be? Um, for sure, unique to you. and so yeah. Yeah, and it even since you get to choose every time combat starts, you can be a real tactics nerd about it too. Yeah, You're gonna absolutely. Be, you can be like, well, I think my best chance here is to like the best defense is going to be a good offense here, or vice versa. You know, things like right. that. You can kind of yeah. optimize can, it to the situation, and as yeah. you learn how to play your character, learn what kind of works and what doesn't. Took the words I think that's right cool. out of my mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's yeah, it's a really nice like uh, tactical uh, options that you can change up as you're playing and in between uh, combat encounters that kind of fit each individual scenario. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, next we talk about interface, which is the Netrunner rule ability. Um, and there is so much to talk about when it comes to net running. We could literally spend a whole episode just talking about net running. And I, anyway, I don't know about our listeners, but I would find it fascinating as hell. Um, yeah, basically it's fun stuff. Yeah. Basically, uh, you know, the net runner is the hacker and your interface rank is what you add to the like the hacking checks that you're going to make. So the different uh, abilities or like sort of like interface skills almost are um, backdoor, cloak, control, ID, pathfinder, scanner, slide, virus, and zap, um, which probably warrant some fleshing out there. But you know, backdoor is like your cracking passwords cloaking is like you're hiding your actions from anyone who might be trying to look at you or find you um control is like you're controlling things attached to a net architecture like if you find the cameras you want to make a control role to get into the camera system and look around you know point the cameras in a certain way or delete all of the video files for the night and you know shit like that like that's a control role um, ID yeah. is uh, like identifying a thing, um, a piece of data. Pathfinder is the uh, the skill or the ability that allows you to kind of like get a map or a layout of the the architecture or the system that you're cracking into. Um, scanning is like how you find systems and ways to get into systems uh, from where you're like standing. Um, so that's sort of like a meat space action, it calls it. Um, but like you're, you know, in the real world, you're using your scanner to try and find places to hack into, essentially. Um, sliding is you're getting away from uh, black ice, which is kind of like a, a virus program trying to, pre- or not 
virus, more of a firewall, really, um, trying to protect the system. Um, and you can kind of like try and slip away from it with a slide. Um, you can leave a virus um, or you can zap, which is like you can fight against programs and other net runners in the architecture. So, yep. Fun stuff. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. Just a few things to note. Um, first off, your interface rank also determines how many actions you can take per turn. Yep. Mm -hmm. So with your starting rank of four, you take three net actions a turn. So you're taking one a second, which I kind of want to touch on because I think it's a key function of um, uh, the genre as well, mm -hmm. where like all like internet-y computer network stuff it always happens really quickly yeah and for there's sure. always a sense that like it's like everything else is happening quickly too but no seriously this is like this is like accelerated like computer mind warfare chess mm -hmm. yeah which is fun yeah for and sure. uh yeah and um i had a thing i okay we'll cut this out <laughs> probably not um, ah! <laughs> damn it <laughs> okay that's fine yeah uh i yeah um but yeah so basically as rob was saying as well like as you rank up in your interface ability you can take more net actions per turn so starting out like the book encourages everyone and gms to start players out at a rank of four um so you get th three net actions um if your rank or if, yeah if your rank in your your uh, interface is between seven and nine then you get four net actions a turn and if it's a 10 then you get five net actions a turn uh so you're just like lightning speed hacking away um at that point yep for sure Oh, that was what I want to talk about. Um, to the extent I understand it, I did want to talk about the slide mechanic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, um, uh, when you slide away from a black ice, this is um, if you get, uh, encounter a black ice that you can't actually take out, mm -hmm. which is also an option that you have to you. Um, slide lets you escape to a different um, portion of the system, yep. but if you slide away to a portion of the system that also has a black ice that um, you can't really take out, good luck. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah, for sure. Start um, rolling up a new character. <laughs> basically, yeah. I mean, that's something that uh, is really interesting is I think like in many ways the, the net runner has the deadliest job because a lot of the damage that it takes is going directly to its HP. Like there's not, there are a few ways to get some uh, damage, damage absorption. Um, but uh, yeah, if, you know, once that's gone, like you're just taking direct, direct hits, uh, which we'll talk about combat. I swear we're getting to combat. <laughs> it will happen. <laughs> and how like that all works. Um, Who needs it? <laughs> Yeah, so then the uh, up next, though, is going to be the text rollability, which is the maker. Uh, basically, sounds, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. You're able to craft things. Um, you can also upgrade and, uh, like, you can upgrade or fabricate. Um, most stuff, you get your field expertise, which basically um, lets you add your rank to any skill check that you would make that's like basic tech cyber tech 
electronic sense security, weapons tech, uh, vehicle operation, and all of its aspects. Um, yeah. So, which is yeah. basically these these skills. By the way, these are mostly for like repairs mm-hmm. in yep. a lot of ways. Yep, yep. So the field expertise is kind of like you can. You can add your um, rank in make. You can add your rank rank in maker. I was about to say rank in maker. <laughs> we know how to talk here at Nineteen Hits the Dragon. It's a thing it's that we true. do a lot and are really it's, good at. We're super good at it. Um. 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 Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you can add your maker rank to just kind of MacGyver up slash jury rig slash um just you know duct tape some things together right to get them back and working up again even if you don't necessarily have the um relevant skill right in any meaningful or, sense yeah and you know if it's something that's like really bad and you want to you know it's really badly damaged or injured and you you know need to make sure that this works you can you add that bonus on top of the skill check that you already have points in which is pretty handy so yeah it just makes you good at like nope fixing upgrading and creating things that's basically what the maker role is is built for um you get a lot of really uh good options for upgrades as well again there's a lot of options here so i don't want to just read through the whole book but you can do all kinds of stuff you know anything from like um decreasing the amount of humanity loss from cyberware to uh you know attaching um extra like at, well attaching attachments i guess to your weapons and stuff like that as well um so yeah there's a lot of really cool options for upgrade and i i think you know the the book is even kind of like you know if these are examples of things that you can do if you can come up with other stuff then that totally works as well and the gm can kind of set the the dv for what you need to be able to create that uh that upgrade or craft that upgrade um, which is also like the fabrication and, and invention is pretty much the same way as well. Like you're kind of working with the GM to figure out these things, these inventions that you're coming up with, how it's going to work mechanically, and then making a role to see how good of a schematic you make. And then you need a separate role to actually make that thing with your fabrication um, expertise. So. Yep. Yeah. And then the GM gets to figure out um, what kind of what um, kind of tier of item this is, mm-hmm. and then you make the checks accordingly. Also worth noting that it uh, this also um, what's it called varies the the time that it'll take also varies. So mm-hmm. like for sure, fancier stuff how... takes longer. Exactly. Yeah. Fancier stuff takes longer. It can be anywhere get. from yeah anywhere from an hour to you know a month. Um, so yeah, again, a pretty, pretty steep scale, um, kind of going alongside that switch shifting. That's the word I'm looking for. Shifting, uh, from (laughs) creating and uh, upgrading, uh, items and machines to, uh, you know, healing people and, uh, making sure they're doing better. You get the med tech role ability, which is medicine. Um, basically you can, uh, put points into new skills that you get unlocked only as a a med tech. Um, so you can get surgery, medical tech, pharmaceuticals, um, and, uh, cryosystem operations. So basically as you're ranking up, you're 
determining how many of your rank points you're putting into these particular skills. Um, uh, yeah, and all of those kind of go towards yeah. making your party members better when they have bullet holes in them. <laughs> um, yep. So, yeah, you can also, like, implant cyberware. Um, the pharmaceuticals is, like, you're able to... Uh, craft and source uh, like medicines and you know drugs in, in that sense not the Ill illegal substance drugs sense um, but you can you know up, uh, figure out like what is the right medicine to give people and make sure you're applying the right dosages and stuff like that um, that's what the pharmaceuticals is and then the cryo system uh, I actually I kind of need to dig more into figuring out exactly what the cryo system is but my understanding is that like the tank is just somewhere people can go and rest to heal up and get better. Um, so you can kind of create or maybe not create, but know how to operate a cryo system um, that your party can use or that you can use to, you know, make money on the side. If like you're, um, you know, offering people a place to come and get healing, you can kind of get a source of income from having access to this this cryo system. Yep. And uh, yeah, it also it would appear that uh, adding points to cryo system operation, uh, you know, spot spots you um, some extra cryo um, pod chamber things. Right. Yeah, the cryo pump. You get additional cryo pumps. Thank pumps, you. which are yeah my understanding is that they are chambers um that you can add on to yeah. your cryo tank yeah although there are cryo pumps and cryo tanks ah. oh interesting yeah yeah i will have to uh look a little bit more into that to see what the differences are it's probably explained sure. in the like the section that explains all of the equipment um so we definitely yeah. look into that probably i should hope <laughs> yeah it'd be kind of weird if it's like nope this is the one thing that we don't explain in the, the one thing we don't explain <laughs> is something called a cryo tank <laughs> yeah. and we're just gonna leave it to you to decide to what just that kind means. Yeah. to decide what that may or may not entail yeah uh, perfect yeah. you uh, gotta end on a question mark and not a period you know <laughs> what i'm saying like that's how Bowie went out, and you know that's good enough for me too. So, yeah. Uh, moving on. So, all right. That was the medtech <laughs> ability. Uh, obviously, there's some stuff that we're still learning as well, and need to kind of parse out there. So, uh, yeah, we'll 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 get we'll circle back around to that and make sure that I'll make sure that I understand it from my games at least. Like that's some, for sure. It's um, it's true, although yeah. I needed to get away from the whole cleric thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so mo moving on, though, the uh, the credibility is up next, which is the media rollability. And again, medias are uh, kind of like your, they're anything from like, a, a you know, an influencer to a uh, investigative journalist um, type character. Um, so your uh, rollability, this credibility, uh, the ranks up in it um, kind of determine, uh, you know, like the, the scope at which you can get 
ac like access sources, uh, your audience, and how believable um, your stories are, as well as the impact that it has. Uh, so the more, the higher up your your rank gets, the higher access you have to, um, you know, sources, uh, as well as you get a broader audience, you get better at your writing, essentially, so people, it's a little bit more believable, or maybe not just writing, but like your storytelling or whatever, however you're putting your information out there, um, and then the impact that it causes. And, you know, that goes anywhere from, like a two out of 10 believability to all the way up to what is six out of 10 chance that the audience buys it at a, you know, rank 10 or sorry, seven actually out of 10. Seven for rank out 10. of 10. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the impact scales up as well. So that by the end, your, you know, your stories and your scoops are creating a huge change. It's like globally effective and you're potentially taking down like mega corpse and, you know, stuff like that. Um, whereas starting yep. out, you're, your change and your, the impact that you have is very, very incremental. Maybe some small time crooks or something kind of get busted. You can maybe influence change a little bit, but it's not super impactful to like world shaking. Um, what's the word yeah. I'm looking for? Scoops that you're putting out there, I guess. So yeah. What a scoop. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, You know, this one goes straight to the top. Exactly. Uh, speaking of yeah. going straight to the top, up next is the exec, uh, the exec rollability, which is called teamwork. Um, again, this a, is the best one. Yeah, it, it's a really fascinating uh, rollability because it has a lot of a lot of options and a lot of variance to it as well. A lot of customization that you can do. So again, the exec, you're kind of like a corporate yuppie trying to climb your way to the top. Um, and your teamwork basically in influences the well a couple of things like you can you get um, corporate housing you can eventually get like good health insurance which is like signing you up for a trauma team cover package um, you get team members that you can you know hire on underlings essentially to work alongside you or do your work for you. This is the best part of this whole thing. Yeah. I, I just want to say no, team I, members are great because you have to maintain them. Yeah. That's, you can't, yeah. You can't just like you be have, shitty to the people below you. They have a loyalty score and how you treat them affects that. Uh, it's and true. How loyal they are to you. Yeah. It's great. Mm -hmm. And if you get them killed, like the next person that uh, gets hired on your behalf is going to be like, weren't you the guy that got uh, your people that your last <laughs> wasn't the last person that you hired to do this killed? And you'll have to be like, yeah, what of it? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, again, like you, you can't just be a, you know, a murder hobo in cyberpunk, or at least if you're an exec, you can't really be and expect to continue. Uh, and you can't just like abuse the people that work under you and expect them to uh, continue working for you, which uh, kind of seems like there's a lesson in that. Hmm. There does. Yeah. I think we've had a few um, we've had a few instances recently on this show where <laughs> we've been reminded that NPCs are people, too. Yeah. And they deserve your respect. Yep. Yep. Just like real people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. People deserve respect. And NPCs are people, mm. too. 
Yeah, uh, you cannot uh th- you cannot throw your NPCs under the bus to management, say. Yep. <laughs> uh, this table's wild. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love everything about it. Yeah. Um but yeah, I guess forget just- team members birthday minus 4 to loyalty. Mhm. Again, I'm not going to go through this whole thing for everybody. I just, you know, this made me giggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and just made me feel better about the world of cyberpunk in the time of the red, because I'm just like, okay, there are still rules. Okay. This is, yeah, absolutely. I get it. There is yeah. still a society. Yeah. Just- even, even the mooks have leverage still, you know, Yep. it's nice. Yep. Yep. Um, And just like the other nice thing about the teammates is that you can use them to kind of fill in uh, maybe gaps in your party makeup or, you know, if you just need some additional support in one aspect, you can have team members that do that. Right. So the options for team members are there's the the company bodyguard. uh, There is the company company operative, um, which is. slightly different but you know they uh basically like the uh the operative is um kind of the one that you send out there to keep yourself from getting your hands dirty and doing the dirty work right like they are kind of your your assistant um they are also kind of your person that can do cd things for you without influencing you specifically for doing those things um then there is the driver which gives you you know like an extra car um that you can get a net runner as well. So like if your team is sort of lacking, oh, and the, and the technician, and is that the last one? Okay. Yeah, the technician's the last one. So again, like yeah. if you're, if your party is kind of lacking in certain areas, but you have an exec, they can hire on people that uh, can do those things that the party might not be able to do per se. For sure. I was thinking that um, this makes it a compelling option. If for, some reason you're doing like a one player game Mm, you know interesting yeah like if you had a one player game you could like and if you're gming it say you could maybe bump up their starting rank to five just so they could get the second uh team member Mm -hmm. yeah and that would be a way to do that which that was kind of my first thought when i saw this yeah that's because like Obviously, there are more roles here than you're probably going to have at your table already in the first place. Mm -hmm. So this is already kind of a system where, like, you don't necessarily need to have all your bases covered, right? Right. So in that kind of context, and if, like, there's nobody else around but you and, like, your little sibling or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I hadn't thought about that either, but that does make an interesting option for the exec um, in like a solo game. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, another one that also kind of makes for a good option if you're um, uh, playing in a solo game is the lawman roll ability, which is backup. Also that. Yeah. You can call also- for backup, you know, to get you out of a hairy situation, essentially. Um and essentially for this, as you, like when you call for backup, you roll a D6 and that many rounds later is when your backup arrives, right? Um, and as you rank up uh, in your backup rank, you basically get, um, uh, you get stronger guys or you know, people to show up and help you out essentially. Um, so they, they get... Yep better at 
combat, they get hardier, um, their, their armor goes up a little bit as well, um, and also just sort of like what they are goes up, so it starts off with like corporate security, so you're just calling on some local rent-a-cops, and then you can call on like the, you know, local um, actual police officers or police, uh, like cops, like beat cops, um, you can call on the sheriff's department you can get like um you know the uh the psycho squad or the the swat team essentially like you and all the way up to rank 10 you're getting like army people coming to help you out like yeah you're getting you're getting like uh extremely well-dressed fbi types with (laughs) assault rifles and incredible accounting skills (laughs) fascinating yes yeah it's pretty great so yeah that yep. that's a good one too yeah that's a good point if you were trying if you were doing a solo solo game this would also be kind of a good choice as would rocker boy i guess if that's mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. you yeah that is all for sure yeah i hadn't really thought about some of these roles in that way but uh now that you say that i'm like oh yeah you could you know a couple of these different roles you can potentially play you know one player players like two player you know gm and player uh game and have some options for having some uh some people on your side uh some npcs slash you know i guess pcs really that you're controlling um yeah yeah which um yeah, I, I mentioned this mainly because not to like do the aggressive Shadowrun comparison thing, but just mm-hmm. like when I first became aware of Shadowrun and I was like 12, and my older brother was like, yeah, we're going to play some Shadowrun. I bought the book. I'm like, great. Who with? I don't know. So sometimes you end up in those sorts of situations mm-hmm. just in general and especially with some of the like not always quite as well-known um systems Mm -hmm. although cyberpunk you know is having its moment right now certainly for sure um yeah so uh kind of moving on the fixer roll abilities up next which is the operator um and the fixer this is very interesting to me because basically you're someone who is uh you know pulling together resources and people from the city to like connect, um, you know, salespeople with clients and uh, sort of like, I don't necessarily think like always black market, but maybe like underground type deals where you're able to set up these situations um, to, you know, connect people across sort of like, um, you know, boundaries. Uh, to get them to come together and set up like a, 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 a what's called the night market or the you know a storefront uh, not a storefront but a you know a, a back alley uh, type situation where people are able to buy and sell and trade goods and stuff like that. Um, yeah. You also can you get the ability to haggle, which you know we talked about uh, before about how I I don't like haggling, um, but I think the mechanic for haggling is uh pretty solid here like you make one attempt and if you're successful then you can get you know a certain percentage off of your items or get some items for free you know stuff like that based on um how good your rank is in as an operator 
Um, you can you can potentially like get more money for a job as well. Like if you're connecting someone out in the world of you know your setting that needs a job done and they're coming to you as the fixer to get the crew together, you can haggle with them to try and get more money for the job essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah. Although that's kind of one of those things where it's like, can't everybody kind of haggle, maybe, sort of, but... Yeah, well, I, I guess they they could potentially, but here it's like, it is specifically laid out and how much more money you can get. You know, it's up to 20% with a rank of five or six. You can get an additional 20% per person or for each person, so... Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Like, I guess, like, it depends on the like thing, I guess, too, right? Like, yeah, and to an extent, I, I think maybe. that's something that kind of depends on the, the GM as well, right? Because the idea here, I think, is that, like, no, you're not allowed to haggle for prices. These The prices that you have are the prices that you have, and that's what you pay for it. But if you're a fixer, then you can maybe talk that person down a little bit um, through, you know, having that sort of, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? not the charisma but or the know-how sort of the uh the streetwise type stuff to be able to talk things over with people and and get them to talk their prices down and like in my mind this means that only a fixer is allowed to do that everyone else pays full price sure okay that's sort of i get i guess i was kind of thinking it it just hmm. I don't mean to be too negative, but it does feel a bit like, you know how in set when we were looking at AD&D 2nd Edition mm -hmm. and how it was like, listening at doors is a thief skill. And oh, you're like, yeah. What? <laughs> like, yeah. anybody, can't anybody do that? I'm kind of having a similar reaction to, like, haggling rules, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I just, like, yeah. And it may, it's sort of like, I guess... It's not as bad as that because, like, I, I can see how the the theory here is that, like, successfully haggling requires, like, it's a skill. It's a whole skill set. It's right. not, like, asking very nicely. Right. It's, like, Especially... like kind of... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's just kind of knowing what kind of handshakes to make and how to stand in the right line it, and sort of stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff that takes some, like, learning and know-how to do, I guess. A absolutely. And I think, you know, in, in a setting that's like a cyberpunk setting, you know, resources are scarce enough already. So most people aren't going to be willing to uh, have their prices talked down on them right like they're trying to make as much money as they can off of each deal as well um so it, it takes that kind of certain finesse to be able to like actually talk people down which is not something that is super common in a cyberpunk setting so true yeah because um, many boffins always died to bring this information <laughs> that's for sure yes that's yes. part of the deal too um, yeah, just a couple other things to note as well. Your your reach as an operator increases so you can like extend your reach further into other parts of, you know, whatever city or location you're in to set up the night market. Um, and the grease uh, factor of the, uh, the operator rank uh, basically 
um, what's the, the word that I want to use here? It, it's like being able to blend in with, uh, with other cultures and stuff. So you can kind of get a bunch of different types of people together or more and more types of people together as you are increasing your reach as well. Um, so yeah, it all, it all kind of works together pretty nicely. I think when it comes to the, the operator role and everything sort of scaling and working together. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then we come to the final, uh, role ability, which is the nomads role ability moto. Hello, moto. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not a sponsor. Ah, oh, man, you had, I, I had to ruin it. I, I ruin everything. That's what I do. Um, but put some in the jar. That's two bucks. <laughs> All right. Fine. We've agreed on this. Sure. Uh, anyway, so the, uh, the nomad rollability is essentially about vehicles. So as a nomad, like you have kind of access to your family's garage more or less. Um, and as you rank up, you can either, uh, get new vehicles or you can upgrade existing vehicles. Uh, to add to this garage and and have them you know ex have access to to these vehicles, um, which is pretty cool I think and there's a lot of options for like um, the types of vehicles that you can can have yeah I mean it can be anything from like a you know a car to um, you know air vehicles a jet ski or a, even just like a dirt bike stuff like that. Um, and there are some really cool options for like upgrading as well. Like you can add armor to your car and bulletproof glass. You can add guns onto them. Um, flamethrowers. Yeah, flamethrowers. Uh, even things, small things like additional seats and stuff like that as well. So yeah. there's a lot of really cool um, upgrades that it gives you options for. And like if I'm, you know, a, uh, in a party and I'm playing the tech and we have a nomad with us, like. I'm going to try to work with them to try and, you know, invent some stuff to add onto their car as well. In addition to all of these cool um, upgrade options that they have already. So, Oh yeah, for sure. That That's like, that's a great um, combination that I didn't think of until just now when you mentioned it. Mm. So I didn't think of it at all, actually. But <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, that, that's a cool one. Just be just like, uh, the nomad and the tech sit down and be like, "Okay, how can we make how can we make our action news van the coolest van it can possibly be, or whatever." Yes, yes, yeah, or whatever it is. Yep. Let's make a badass jet ski. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with flamethrowers. Yes, a gyrocopter, which is like an air bike, essentially adding a machine gun to it. Like, yeah. Fuck yep. yeah. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, a a again, a lot of really great, really kick-ass options here um, for all the different vehicle types. And that's, that's another thing to note as well is that it's not just like, oh, here's a list of all of the different upgrades you can get. It's like, here are the upgrades that can apply to all vehicles. Here are the upgrades that can apply to... You know, most of these vehicles, here are the land and sea, here are all the land, here are all the air, and yada yada. Um, so, all bikes and ground yeah. cars and uh, AV4s and all kinds of stuff. So, 
Um, yep. It's it's pretty neat and pretty niche as well, and kind of gives you uh, some reasoning to like get more vehicles as well as to upgrade them too. So the, like you can have different, you know, um, access to different types of transportation, and then upgrade the hell out of those as well. So it's true. Batman does not get by on the Batmobile alone. It's true. Yeah, he's. Yeah. He also requires the uh, the services of the Bat plane and occasionally the Bat boat mm-hmm. and whatever else, basically. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of an overview on the uh, the role abilities there. And wow, we've already been talking for quite a while here. Cool. Uh, yep. On to combat. <laughs> That's let's do really, all of combat we got three the, minutes yeah. let's do it <laughs> no we got a little more time than that but combat yeah, actually we do. is I just... uh, pretty simple i mean again like it kind of circles back to the um stuff that we already talked about with the skills and succeeding or failing on them um it just adds a couple of like niche um instances into the mix of all of that um so again, you can you have your move action. You can attack. You can choke someone that you have grabbed. Um, you can equip or drop a shield. Get into a vehicle. Get up. Grab somebody. Um, and you can you know take all of the other actions that we listed earlier as well. Um, also, with the grab person, you can you start use you can spend an action to use them as a human shield. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Which, yeah, when it talks about shields here in just a minute as well, it like gives an option for corpses too. So if a person dies while you're grabbing them, then you're, you can like equip them as a shield as well, which is yeah ridiculous and excellent in every way possible. Yeah. It's wording of it is, Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, uh, I need a minute. <sighs> yeah. Uh, while you're taking your time there, one important thing to note is the the aimed shots, uh, where you can uh, take a minus eight to your check to aim your shot at. You can aim at a person's head. You can aim at a held item that they have, or you can aim at their leg. Um, basically, uh, if you hit their head, you're if you are successful on hitting their head, um, then they're uh, head armor is, um, oh, sorry, your any any damage that gets through their armor is multiplied by two. Um, if you're targeting an item, the the character or the person will drop that item, whichever one you're you're uh, aiming at. Um, and the uh, when you're aiming at their leg, it hits their you know attacks their body armor, which we'll get to in, in just a second. But um, the target will also suffer the broken leg critical injury. Um, so you basically can take a swipe at their leg. If you're successful, you can, you know, you sweep the leg. Yeah. Um, it's really effective. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and uh, yeah, so then in terms of like making attacks, um, so ranged combat uses a couple of different skills based on the type of weapon that you're using um so i'm actually going to flip over to the character sheet so it's a little easier for me to reference um but yeah each each type of weapon has a different skill set so there's there's archery uh handgun um and heavy weapons and shoulder arms are kind of the distinctions there and then in, in addition to that there is an auto fire skill as well 
uh, which only certain weapons get auto fire abilities. And uh, yeah, there's a particular skill that is unique to being able to auto fire your gun. Um, and the uh, the type of weapon that you're using will basically tell you, you know, which skill you need to be able to fire that um, that gun. So, you know, pistols are going to be handguns. Uh, an SMG is also a handgun. Um, a shotgun and, a sh and assault rifles, though, are shoulder arms. Uh, bows and crossbows, obviously, are archery. And then you have, like, a grenade launcher or a rocket launcher, and that would qualify as a heavy weapon. Um, there's a nice little chart here that sort of breaks down all of those. Also tells you how much damage Um each weapon does what the standard magazine size is, and then rate of fire. Um, so rate of fire is basically how many shots you can take with that uh, that type of gun in a single round. So if it's like a heavy pistol, you can get two shots off uh, in a single round, but if it's a shotgun, then you only have one shot per round, essentially. Um, also tells you this chart also tells you like the number of hands that you need to hold it so if you have a free hand you can put something else in that hand or a shield or a you know a, another gun uh melee weapon that's one-handed stuff like that um yeah yeah it's uh it's a nice little chart here yeah it uh breaks down everything real nice yeah and uh yeah, and then when it comes to like actually firing your firing firing your gun and hitting your target, um, there is there there are uh, charts for each type of weapon and a difficulty value or a DV that is set based on the range and how far away you are from your target. Um, so, yeah, like like pistols and SMGs, you know, for the most part. The closer you are, the easier it's going to be for you to hit your target. Um, for, like, rifles and stuff, there's, like, kind of a sweet spot where you don't want to be too close, but you also don't want to be too far away. Um, and then a sniper rifle, obviously, like, the DV goes down the further you are away with the sniper rifle, which kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. And then it goes back up again at the very end. Exactly, yeah. Once you're far enough away. Spikes up again once you're you know more than 200 yards or meters away. Or even, I guess, 100. Yep. But yeah, still. It, it kind of, there's that, that nice like curve in there where you're trying to hit that sweet spot at a certain distance. Um, and that actually applies to most of the ranged weapons is like there's going to be kind of a sweet spot where it's really easy and then either like closer or further away is going to be increasingly more difficult to hit the target. Um, and yeah, with that, like if you, uh, unlike Dungeons and Dragons where there are like armor classes, right? So you're trying to beat that armor class to hit that target and each individual target is going to have their own armor class that you need to, to beat. Nothing like that applies here. You're just trying to roll high enough to hit something that is, you know, within the range that you're aiming at. Um, and armor works in a little bit different way. We'll get to here in just a second after we talk about, like, some of the other uh, attacking options. Um, but basically, I mentioned auto fire. It's a separate skill. You spend 10 bullets uh, and you... Um, 
Let's see. Yeah, I was just making sure there wasn't a penalty here. But yeah, so you, you spend... Okay, those, so the DV is higher. That's what it is. Got it. So you spend 10 bullets, you make an auto-fire attack, and the difficulty value is a little bit higher, but if you hit, then you roll 2d6 for damage and multiply that amount by a number that's set by the particular weapon that you're using. It's probably going to be either a 3 or a 4, kind of depending on uh, what you're rolling with. But the uh, the DV is also kind of set based on the, the type of weapon, either an SMG or an assault rifle is what typically is going to have auto-fire uh, abilities. And um, the again, the range to it. So it's, it's a little bit more complicated than the rest, but it I, I think it's a nice mechanic because there are like, you know, fully automatic weapons, right? But just like auto firing is very different than shooting a single bullet at a target, right? Like it's, it requires kind of a different skill uh, and ability to, to do so. And then, you know, the, obviously if you hit, then that's going to be even more damage. So it's, it, it's some very nice mechanics if I say, right? Yeah. It's neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, and suppressor fire kind of works uh, similarly, um, where you're firing 10 bullets and you're basically trying to break concentration uh, for someone and provide cover for your friends. Um, shotgun shells get like an area of effect. Explosives get an area of effect as well. Um interestingly about explosives like if you you're throwing a grenade so that that grenade's you know gonna land right and it's gonna blow up um but you're basically trying to make a check to see how how well you aim that grenade so if you succeed on your check then you get to determine where that grenade lands exactly um if you fail then you kind of you hit you know indicate where you want it to land and then your gm determines where in the 10 by 10 square that that explosion would normally create like where in that area the grenade actually lands and then detonates from there um, that sounds like that could go all kinds of bad oh yeah that could it could end up really really bad um so yeah if you get too yeah. close to your friends and it explodes and you know hurts your friends then as well right like uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> throwing grenades is dangerous, so it has that nice element uh, to it mechanically. So, all right, yeah. So I that's... like how it's all to it's just like the GM decides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's the GM decides yeah. where it lands in the initial area of effect, right? So it's yeah. not like oh, you hurl your grenade and it goes way off and it doesn't do anything. Like no, that grenade's gonna land somewhere and it's gonna blow up. It's just n- maybe not going to land where you intend it to if you don't roll well. So, For sure. As- yeah. Assuming you're listening at a time when it's a wise idea to play these games in person, remember to bring snacks to the game is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> because especially if you're the person who uses the explosives. Because us GMs, we hate it when we have to bring all the snacks. Like... Except me, I t- usually, well, actually, I also hate it, but I will also, like, bake a ziti because, yeah. because I'm just like, be my friend. <laughs> anyway. For sure. Yeah, so br- bribe your GMs yeah. so they don't kill your friends, basically. Bribe your GMs you. with, yeah, 
food or maybe or some booze just, if you're of legal drinking age i don't want to suggest anything improper <laughs> yeah and uh yeah and then maybe you won't blow yourself up maybe it'll <laughs> just you know maybe just some innocent npcs right yeah uh, i just bummed myself out yeah <sighs> yeah melee combat yay so, uh <laughs> Melee combat, again, it's a skill check. It's going to be your, um, generally speaking, it's your melee, what's it called? I have to look at the sheet now because I don't remember. Uh, yeah, melee weapon, that's what it's called. That's the skill that you're using is your melee weapon skill. Um, and you're rolling that and you're trying to, uh, to hit. Um, for melee combat, though, it's always a contested check. So you're attacking and the uh, target is evading. You're using the evasion. Um, interestingly about uh, weapon combat as well is that if the target of an attack, so you as a player or an NPC, if their reflex score is 8 or higher, um, then you can uh, try to use your evasion skill instead of trusting the dv so you can like dodge bullets effectively um if Which your reflex impo- is high. yeah yeah important to note that it would seem that that's um like if you have if you have a character that has such a high reflex you might want to like really take a look at this dv range um mm-hmm. chart mm-hmm. because there's definitely going to be like a point where you're better off just you know rolling with the chart yeah exactly if that makes sense because those values are probably going to be higher than what, what your you're evasion is going to end yeah, up yeah. as yep so it's it's a gamble that you can take yep. um but yeah if you're in melee combat it's always a contested check um there again is another chart for types of weapons um light melee weapon medium melee weapon heavy melee weapon and very heavy melee weapon and it gives you some examples of what all of those are um i i think it it's because it's like here's an example you can obviously like pick things that would fit into these categories that aren't on the list um so if you're you know talking with your dm or gm and um your you know your character gets a medium melee weapon as part of their starting equipment you know you can kind of talk with them to figure out okay you know i want to have like a baseball bat or um you know a crowbar machete those are things that are kind of listed but if you want something that's slightly different that's kind of in the same realm like size wise then you you can can talk to them to figure out flavor wise what actual weapon you're carrying there um yeah, you have a you have kind of a wide berth to um you know, decide what your actual weapon is, which is neat. Technically, you yep. have the same thing with the ranged weapons too in terms of what kind of gun it is, you know, but like I don't right. know from guns. So, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, if you're a gun person, you probably are a little bit more versed in like the different types of SMGs and the different types of assault rifles. Um so you have that freedom as well if that's something that you know you know enough enough about um so yeah 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 and again there's like the rate of fire which is how many times you can attack with that that weapon or that type of weapon uh, in a round of combat can it be concealed yes or no most of the time it's going to be no but if it's a light melee weapon then yes you can um 
Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Important to note as well about uh, damage with melee weapons is that it ignores half of the defender's armor uh, when it comes to actually dealing damage to them. So, um, yeah, there are definitely some advantages to using those melee weapons, even if they... Like the the damage might seem lower than the uh, the uh, ranged weapons, um, you're potentially like the the ability to do damage is about as high, uh, if not higher. Um, which yeah. I, I guess kind of brings us into you know there's also in terms of like melee combat there is brawling which is like fist fighting um, and martial arts as well and I really appreciate how fleshed out the martial arts options are we are have been talking for a long time so i don't want to go too much into it um i kind of want to get through things with combat here um so i'm gonna skip over that for now uh and talk about armor and how it works um, oh well i'm seeing this whole martial arts list oh this is a li- oh okay. yeah it's, I see. it's a lot there's and a list yeah it's there are several types of martial arts and each type of martial arts has its own like uh special moves that it gets as well it's really cool really well thought out i'm actually like i've been planning in my head a martial arts focused uh character um Hell yeah. And yeah, if my Netrunner dies in my Monday game, then I'll, I'm definitely switching over to them. Um, anyway, to kind of move on and talk about like armor, um, basically the way that types of armor work, and I do have to flip ahead here. Where are we at? So, okay, armor. Page 184, Rob, just in case you need to find that. Um, Thanks, man. So, yeah, as I said, like armor... You know, and your armor doesn't af- affect the ability for people to, like, actually hit you. But what it does affect is how much damage you take. Um, so all armor has uh, stopping power, which um, when you roll damage or when damage is rolled against you, you subtract the stopping power from the damage total. And any any additional damage beyond the stopping power... Uh, you take to your hit points. And then when you do that, your armor, uh, the stopping power of your armor is decreased by one. So each time you actually take damage, your stopping power goes down, meaning that the more damage you take, the easier it is going to be to damage you. Um, And vice versa for you versus the NPCs as well. So if you're in a fight and you're, you know, not able to, you're like, you're only able to barely beat that threshold a couple of times you know eventually that's going to wear away at that uh npc's armor and you're, it's, it's going to be easier to actually deal damage to them um which is pretty interesting and i think that um this kind of mechanic like that's really the way that armor works in a broad sense right like it yeah it doesn't make it more difficult for someone to hurt or to hit you but it makes it more difficult for them to hurt you um and as the armor is taking damage it's going to wear down over time um so yeah it's a really interesting mechanic and i think kind of um it's it feels more realistic than a lot of other armor options in other tabletop rpg games uh tabletop rpgs for sure i said RPG games, which is redundant. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Rob? 
I like it. It's like you said. It it kind of is more how like armor actually works, which is nice mm-hmm. and is able to be and it is implemented pretty simply here, which is cool. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a nice chart with all the different types of armor. Um, interestingly, like once you get into heavier armor, it starts imposing penalties onto your stats making your reflex and your decks and your movement all get reduced by the heavier armor that you're wearing. So there's that little bit of a trade-off, right? Like having the uh, the highest graded armor, which is the Metal Gear, will stop almost anything because it has a stopping power of 18, but you have a minus 4 to your reflex, to your decks, and to your move. So, like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> um Indeed. While you're wearing that armor, basically. You're basically uh, wearing the ED-205 to... suit yeah. as a suit from RoboCop. <laughs> yes. That's what you're wearing. Yes. Uh, also, I, backing up a bit, uh, just before here is the actual um, text that details the use of human shields. Ah, uh, yes. And I'm just going to say that, um, I'm just going to say this verbatim, this text is in bold. Quote. You can still attack your own human shield while you have them equipped. It's practically a tradition. End quote. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Isn't it just yes. like... Uh, uh, shortly following that, it's a human shield whose body dies while you have them equipped automatically becomes a shield with HP equal to their body. Um, and just as a note <laughs> of uh, like how the shield works basically shields have hit points and as those hit points go away you know like the shield goes away essentially right like you're destroying the shield um so if you're using a you know a corpse uh um as a human shield or as an equipped shield it has though that hp is equal to the body stats that that uh that human had uh while they were alive so Yeah, it's it's yeah. man, that's dark, but I love it so much. <laughs> that is, it's so grim. Uh, it's so Jesus. grim. Uh, Yikes! But again, it's 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 implemented very simply, yeah. and that's what I appreciate about this system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of rules, but they all like once you get a once you get a feel for how things work in general, you can just like. You just kind of know how everything works, and you can kind of tell how things are supposed to work, yep. which is nice. Um, I just also quickly want to touch on the uh, the wound states. So basically, once you're hurt, there are you know states that you can be in. Um, lightly wounded means that you have taken some damage, but you're more than you have more than half of your HP still. Um, you don't suffer any sort of effects from ha- having damage taken. Uh, seriously wounded though means that you are at less than half of your total HP uh, and you have a minus two to all of your actions and if someone is going to try and stabilize you or give you HP back um, then the the difficulty value is a 13 so like somewhat difficult there and then there's the mortally wounded state which means that you are at less than one HP Um, at this point you have a minus four to all of your actions you have a minus six to your move stat, a minimum of one. Um, and 
you must make a death save at the start of each of your turns. And for a death save, basically you're rolling a d10, uh, and you want to roll lower than your body score. Um, however, each turn that you have to make a death save on, and each time you take damage, you get a uh, plus one to that roll. So, you know, first round you go down, you're rolling a d10, and you're trying to, you know, just roll lower than that, uh, than your body stat. Um, but each successive time and each time that you take damage, you're, you add a plus one to that so that, you know, you only have so many rolls that you can make before you're dead. <laughs> and dead is dead. Like, there's no coming yeah. back. There's no... Like, you can't even um, use, like, a, uh, a defibrillator, you know, zap people back to life, stuff like that. Like, there's, you're just, you're gone. You're done, so. Yeah. You can't upload your consciousness into the data stream or nothing. <laughs> Correct. And then re-download yourself into a sex robot. <laughs> uh, yikes. There's none of that. Uh, there's, yeah, there's nothing, nothing like that. Um, and, and interestingly as well, like when you're mortally wounded and you're at zero or less HP, even, um, you can still like do stuff. You can take action. Yeah. You can even <laughs> yeah. like try, you can potentially try to, you know, patch yourself up. Right. And get, get back to one HP. Um, interestingly as well, like when someone does try to stabilize you and heal you, uh, you from mortally wounded, you get one HP and you immediately fall unconscious uh, for a minute. So you're just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you're just man, like you, you help me out, and now I'm gonna pass the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I, it's nap time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I'm exhausted. Yes. Um. <sighs> yeah. In, in addition to uh, increasing your uh, death save penalty though when you get hit and you're mortally wounded you also suffer a critical injury now mike what's a critical injury you might ask well let me mike tell what's you. a critical injury <laughs> uh, critical injuries are injuries to the body and the head uh that cause additional effects um so you can like lose an arm you can have broken ribs you know collapsed lung uh, and there's a ton of effects that can potentially happen um, these can also occur when you take severe damage. So when you roll your damage or when damage is being rolled against you and more than two dice come up as a six on the damage, you take a critical injury. So you roll 2d6 on this chart and that thing happens to you. Um, now you can't, there are basically two ways to treat this, um, a critical injury. Sometimes, um, you know, some of them, it is a uh, there's a quick fix for which you can like kind of solve the problem for the rest of the day, um, but then you need to require or it requires actual treatment to be able to permanently um, solve the problem and take care of you, give you the the correct treatment. Um, and usually it's either a paramedic yeah. or a first aid check to do the quick fix, but the treatment is generally speaking going to be uh, either surgery skill or a paramedic check uh with a higher dv than the surgery check would be um so so yeah yeah some oh, of them uh, aren't that there's a couple on here that um 
There's a couple on here that the quick fix is actually also a permanent solution. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, these are the exception for sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. And they're also some of these are also just uh they're just gruesome, man. Yeah, they're <sighs> they're rough. They like Yeah. Super brutal. Bullets hurt. <laughs> getting getting injured yeah. is serious. <laughs> um yeah who'd have guessed yeah right (laughs) like uh um and then just kind of like to springboard off of that and talking about like healing right there's no like health potion type mechanic right to get you back up to your hit points the only way to heal is to get some sort of medicine check like a first aid or a paramedic check Uh, and if that succeeds then you get a number of hit points back equal to your body score each day so, like, if you're in a seriously wounded state or even, um, you know, in, like, the critical state where you're about to die, uh, the mortally wounded, like, it, it's going to take a lot of time for you to actually get back to full HP. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's pretty, pretty interesting. And, again, nope. again, like, kind of this gritty, realistic take on it, right? Like, there's no there's no way to just sort of pop your HP back up uh, and be doing better all of a sudden. Like, that's yeah, that's not going to happen. Like, you're... Indeed not. You're going to take damage, you and you're going to be, you know, laid up for a while trying to heal yourself and trying to get better. So... For sure. There's no lethal weapon to popping your shoulder back in <laughs> and stuff. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, it's all right. Yeah, it's okay. The bad guy's the kindly old mentor guy from Mighty Ducks. Oh wow! Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but it's true. Also, Dean Norris, who played Hank on Breaking Bad, is in it, mm-hmm. and he has hair. Then he's also he also plays the guy in Total Recall with like the lumpy face. Hmm. Interesting. This has been this has been movie facts with Rob. <laughs> he he knows some things. Uh, he knows some things about some movies. I have approximate knowledge of many things. Um, I feel like I have incredibly detailed knowledge of a few things. <laughs> yeah, especially I, when it comes to movies. because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. most movies I haven't seen. There's too many. Fair. There are a lot of movies out there. There's a lot of movies. Um, Yeah. yeah. Before we go, I do want to talk about one other sort of mechanic here, because we've talked a lot about like the roll abilities and what the different ranks of that ability means, like in skill points and stuff like that. Um, But you may be wondering, like, you know, we haven't really talked about leveling up or, you know, what happens when you level up? Well, in Cyberpunk Red, you don't level up, really. Like, you the way that you improve is that at the end of each session, the GM awards improvement points to the party. Um, And these can be based on a couple of things. Like they can be, there's like a group stat so that if, if the groups, you know, finishes the mission in this session, the GM can kind of read through the options, determine, you know, how well, uh, or poorly the party did in the mission and award the group points based on that. 
but there's also points that you can get based on your individual play style, uh, which is, uh, I'm going to run through these kind of quickly here. There are four play styles. There's the warrior, which is the combat oriented player. You're going to engage in, uh, you know, fighting a lot. There's the socializer, who's kind of the person at the table, working with everyone else at the table, telling jokes and having a good time with everybody. Uh, there is the explorer, which baking is... Baking ziti. Yeah, baking ziti. Yeah, Perhaps. bringing snacks and stuff so. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there is the explorer, which uh, is going to find new things, find new people, uh, search out clues, stuff like that. And then there is the role player, who's like really going to get into their character. You know, the couple examples that it gives is like they draw out their character, they do, you know, accents and voices and stuff for their character, they uh, maybe, um, you know, come up with uh, elaborate backgrounds and stuff like that. So, you know, if you're really into playing your character and, you know, fleshing that out as much as possible. Um, and how each player sort of manifests those types of play styles um, influences how many improvement points they can get. Um, at the end of each session. Um, so basically, you know, like I said, the group has the 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 group uh, improvement point scale. Um, but if the DM or GM uh, feels like one individual player maybe performed better in a certain aspect of their um, play style than the group did as a whole, they can award additional points to them. And also if the group doesn't finish the mission in an individual session, they can still award improvement points to everybody based on you know how they handled their um, their play style and how how that you know impacted that session, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's neat. Although as a GM who's always terrified of playing favorites, I would be. <laughs> like mortified at the prospect of handing out like disparate values of points yeah. for individual achievements. Yeah. I, I mean, I think kind of the way to do this is to uh, like talk to the players and f get them to convince you how, how well they did in certain aspects or which areas they like, which play style they played more into in that particular session, stuff like that. Um, yeah. So you can kind of have a conversation around those i don't know maybe yeah but that that can come with its own similar complications right true 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 like because then then as a gm maybe you're not favoring this specific play style but you are favoring maybe certain rhetorical strategies as mm -hmm. it were and things like that i don't know i'm sure there's a i'm sure there's a cool and good way for like mature and cool and smart groups to handle it i just like yeah. it terrifies me yeah i just wanted to mention that for sure no I, I, yeah i can see that being a little little daunting there um but i think you know again if you're able to kind of talk through things with uh the party um and kind of figure out what's going to be the best way to hand out ip for for your individual um group you know table then i think you can make things work um, but then like, what do you do with those yeah. improvement points once you got them? That's a good question. Uh, so basically you spend, yeah, what do you do with the improvement points once you got? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's sorry. Good. Sorry. Slow <laughs> no. on the draw. I just like, fuck. <laughs> I appreciate it. <sighs> I appreciate it. 
Uh, basically, you we'll fix it in post. Yeah, you spend um, you spend those improvement points to increase l- your level or rank in either a skill or a role or your role ability, right? So, and it kind of scales accordingly. You know, you're spending to just do like the uh, the basic skill improvement, if you're learning a new skill and putting one point in it, that's 20 points. That's 20 improvement points. Um, but if you have something that you're, you know, say pretty good at, let's say you have already have a four in that skill, like four skill points that you, you've put in there, um, and you want to increase that to five, that's going to cost you 100 improvement points. Um, so, yeah, like once you're, you're getting to the point where you're improving stuff that you're already good at, it gets pretty steep, right? So it can take a while mm-hmm. to gather those improvement points and put them into the things that you want to do. So, for sure. Also worth noting that the rollability um, costs and improvement points are higher than even the uh, difficult skills. Right. Yeah. So there yeah, are those you have yeah, to like. There are your typical skills major that points have that. into. Yeah. Absolutely. So Actually, the, the it, typical skills. Correct me if I'm wrong, difficult... but I'm pretty sure it's a flat one to two to three. Uh, so yeah, for every no, I mean, one looking across, put, yeah. Looking, yeah. Looking across the chart that that tracks. So basically, your your typical skill is like at this level. The difficult skills uh, takes double that amount of points, and then the roll rank, uh, roll ability rank improvement that takes triple the amount of improvement points that just increasing the a typical skill would cost so yeah yeah i am so smart (laughs) (laughs) yes you are good for you for pointing that out ah thanks buddy yeah of course yeah yeah. Um, but yeah. Also, so- thank you for guiding us through these last two episodes, uh, <laughs> Mike. Mike has done all of the work in these episodes because he actually has read the book and knows the system. Whereas I've been scrambling to be like, oh, okay, okay, God, let me just cram all this real quick, <laughs> and then mostly sit here and look smart by not looking stupid and occasionally say something, maybe. Yeah. So thank you, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I suggested that we talk about this book because in the system, because I've been nerding out about it at, on my own. So I'm more than happy to kind of take the reins and, and guide us through all of this. I just hope that yeah. our listeners aren't sick of hearing me talk at this point because uh, I'm sick of hearing myself, I think. So. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, buddy. I don't think anybody's no, no. sick of you, man. You're no, good. It's good. It's all good. I'm just joshing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, we kind of talked about most of what I wanted to talk about. We got a little bit off topic and took some more time. So we didn't get to really talk about like that, the trauma and therapy aspects. Maybe we could circle back around to that later, but Maybe. Yeah. essentially there's a really, there's some really great mechanics around like humanity, keeping your humanity, going to therapy and getting humanity back, um, and not turning into his total psychopath essentially. Um, so yeah. yeah, which is nice. If you want to hear more, let us know. We'll we'll happen? go into detail about yes. all of that too. For sure, uh, you can let us know by contacting us at on by email at nineteen hits the dragon at gmail. That's the number nineteen, or you can hit us up on Twitter at nineteen hits the dragon. Which again, number nineteen, all one word. Good stuff. 
Yeah, for sure. So please uh, reach out. Let us know what you think of the system. Uh, if there's stuff that you want to hear more detail about, I'm more than happy to talk about this. So uh, hit me up for sure on on the Twitters. I, I control the uh, for sure uh, the or not control, but I handle our Twitter account. So yep. Um, yeah, more than happy to geek for out sure. with everybody about how awesome Cyberpunk Red is. Yeah. Um, for, for sure. Yeah. And I run the email, and as the email czar, I enjoy um, well, I enjoy hearing from you in general, but also I really like uh, digging into esoteric nerd questions, so, you know, those are fun too. And, you know, just saying, <laughs> hey, yeah. I like those too. Those are cool. For sure. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, other ways of letting us know what you, you felt and how you liked the stuff, you know, leave comments, uh, ratings, reviews, wherever you can, wherever you get your podcast. Um, it, it helps us mm-hmm. out, helps us know if what we're doing is at all good <laughs> um, and helps us reach a bigger yeah. audience as well. So, um, For sure. Yeah. Yep, and tell your friends. Yes. tell If you if like, you like what you hear, tell 37 of your closest friends. And if you hate us, tell Indeed. 37 of your closest enemies. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh. Um, and as always, huge shout yeah. out to our editor, my uh, fiance, Hannah Miller. Hannah, thank you so much for putting up with all of our uh, weird stuff and editing out all of our dumb moments, too. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, thanks to Paul Mackey for the theme song. It rocks. It absolutely yep. does. Yep. It's good stuff. All right. So uh, until next time, uh, take it easy out there and uh, peace. Bye-bye.